okay, so we have Laura Ritchie from Grit and Grace. Laura, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and however long you want to take on this, but you know, usually whatever, three to five minutes, uh, give us kind of your spiel, like who you are, what you do, what you're about. Awesome. Um, so Grit and Grace is a planning and design company out of the Washington, D.C. area, though, of course, we do travel and have traveled near and far, both nationally and, um, well, Mexico, which feels international to us sometimes. Um, we have been in business for almost 12 years. Um, we have a team of three. Christy is our resident redhead and logistical goddess, and Brittany is our you know, girl of all the talents. And she kind of keeps us afloat and also helps with a lot of behind the scenes work as well as on-site management. Our goal and focus of our company is truly being a vendor's vendor. I actually started out in hotels and catering. So our goal is to make sure that the planner is an asset, um, a confidant, and a person to lean on and ensure that the day or the week or the weekend goes well um, and not to be just another fluffy person in the way with, you know, a headset and pointing at things. We're pretty gritty. That's the idea of Grit and Grace. Um, we will set up all the ceremony chairs ourselves. Um, if you give me access to the ballroom, I'll just bring in our team and we'll set the whole thing. Um, we like to be hands-on, not just with you know, our clients and really digging into creating a unique, special event that's reflective of who they are as a couple and tells their story. And of course, is beautiful all in the same, but also dig in with our vendors. We want to high five you. We want our clients to love you. We really book a lot of our vendors based on personality. And of course, price and availability are a starting point. But if I think truly you know, the photographer or the caterer or whomever is a best fit for a client based on likes and dislikes and general things that are commonalities between our client and them, I'm going to push for that person. I think that just breeds good juju on a wedding day. And that relationship between the vendors grows and really produces an event that is special for everybody. And so that's kind of the secret and the sauce for us and a good snapshot of grit and grace how did grit and grace start was it was it the three of you from the very beginning or were each of you kind of separately doing wedding planning and kind of assembled the team or what's kind of the origin story with grit and grace Mm, great question so like i said i had started out in hotels and then worked in catering. Um, I started kind of picking off some of my catering clients who started becoming slowly obsessed with me and saying, oh, well, can you stay? And can you also do this? And would, would you also facilitate the ceremony? And secretly, I always wanted to be a wedding planner, which is a very weird goal. Um, you know, these days, I think it's a lot more glamorous. But back then, when I started in the industry, um, in the early 2000s, it wasn't as common as there are as many planners as there are now. Um, but I always knew the mix of design with my background being in fashion um, and having catering experience, having a degree in marketing, the mix of design and logistics. And well, let's just be honest, being a little bit bossy um, is the perfect career. So I started the company. Um, and along the way, we kind of picked up these other key members. So Christy actually came to us over 10 years ago 
as an assistant on a really large event that we had going on at a Smithsonian in DC for a very high profile client that we were very lucky to, you know, land in our lap so early on in our career. We needed a bevy of assistance. Her name kind of slid into our DMs, if you will. And I'm not even kidding. She came on site and rocked our world. She had memorized almost 500 people's names and faces that were at this event. And it was just mind boggling. We immediately took her under our wing and she started kind of working some things as an assistant. We slowly bumped her up to be um, doing her own events. And then, you know, over the years, she's become a partner. Um, So Christy and I really kind of manned the ship at this time. Brittany, on the other hand, came to us as an intern. Um, one of those magical intern stories that I think most college kids hope for. Um, she, again, was just too good at her job. And I think when you find those assets in somebody that you cannot replicate, I asked her to do something, she would do it better. I needed to do something. She would do my job better. And those pieces combined, and she's been with us for almost seven years, I think. Um, we hired her. I didn't know how I was going to pay her or have an assistant. And, and I don't even like that word assistant. Um, we call her an event producer now because that's what she does. She helps produce everything that we do. Um, but she came on and she's our full-time employee. She helps both Christy and I and does her own events now too, um, which is great to have her kind of fly her wings a little bit where maybe there's one or two events a year that really suit her skill set, but maybe our a little bit lower on the design side than I need, or, um, you know, it's just a good place for her to be able to express herself too. So that's kind of the team and, and where that's all kind of come from. Um, we all live in Loudoun County, Virginia, um, which is kind of home base for us. But after, you know, almost a dozen years, we kind of have this really good cadence of taking on the right amount of events and what works best for everybody. So that's kind of our background. You said that the wedding planner a few years ago or a couple of decades ago, that it wasn't exactly highly sought after um, mm-hmm. and or maybe not as glamorous as it was before or as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you seen has been like the evolution of the wedding planner? Has it been and kind of what do you mean by it? it's gotten more glamorous? Uh, is it more, have they gotten more control over the wedding planning process? Is it more, uh, are they seen as being a more important part of the wedding planning process in the eyes of the couple? What do you mean by that kind of evolution? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's always been incredible wedding planners around, you know, I just don't think they were always accessible to the average bride, um, at a price point or maybe at a level of design that garnered the necessity to kind of have a planner there. And I think as some of these social media pieces have come to light and weddings have become much more than just, you know, a ceremony at a church and you're going somewhere and just having a reception and using white linens. I mean, the entire industry itself has leveled up across the board. Um, Linen rental and chargers out the yin yang and all the different types of chairs and the design elements is one side but i think with pinterest and you know instagram and almost the competitive nature of 
wow, my wedding looks like this and my wedding looks like this. I mean, even when I personally got married 15 years ago, I had gold shivari chairs and I literally thought I was the jam. I was like, oh my God, no one has shivari chairs. And these days, shivari chairs are <laughs> great. You know, that's your backbone, but that's just level one. So yeah, I'm laughing at shivari chairs. Yeah, they're so like, yeah, you they're, know, they're so overdone like, that's now. normal now. That was not normal then. So I think the whole industry is leveled up and you see more ideas, you express more things. And I think people want to encourage all of that. And with more comes the need for someone who's a logistical coordinator and has an eye for this. And that's where we come in. And I think that that's where it's become way more, you know, luxurious for sure, but necessary to have someone to kind of cater to all those needs um, and manage all those vendors. So yeah, back then it was like, you know, your person at the hotel would just make sure that the room was set up with all of their in-house equipment. You hired your five or six vendors, they show up, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. But now with wedding wire and reviews and the not and all these magazines and Pinterest, people want more. And when you want more, you have to have someone to care for it. And so I think our job is way more involved now. And that's why it's different. I mean, when I said I wanted to be a wedding planner in college, it was only because we were watching a wedding story on TLC in between college courses. And I just thought, man, I think I can do that better. That doesn't even look good, you know? So it was kind of fulfilling the things that I like and kind of creating a career. And there were wedding planners, don't get me wrong. But now it's like, you know, everywhere you turn, someone's a wedding planner or there's hundreds of choices. When I started out, there was definitely a good solid dozen people in our area that I could name, but it wasn't as prevalent or knowledgeable um, as I think it is now. And and the profile of that planner and someone, oh, I really want to be a grit and grace bride. I really think I always want to use a vote or whatever. Um, that was never around. It was more just, I need someone to coordinate me getting down the aisle. Let's talk a little bit now. Uh, cause I'm, I'm always curious about pricing models, business models. The, tell me a little bit about, you don't, you don't have to necessarily talk about your pricing model or business model, but the kind of wedding planner pricing models, looking at your FAQs, you know, there, one question you have is like, can you do a monthly retainer? Can you do a partial? Can you do a whole? Can you do the day of coordination? Mm -hmm. How do you, mm -hmm. what do you see as like the advantages, disadvantages of um, those different types of models? Maybe kind of walk us through the, those different types of models that a wedding planner can offer to a client. For sure. I mean, just like a photographer would have different price points for different services, so does a planner. Um, and I think the pricing of those correspond to experience, style, what you're offering. Same would go for a photographer. If you're just using digital, maybe your pricing is a little bit cheaper. If you're producing only film and you have to get everything developed, that begs maybe your price to be a little bit more expensive. And if you've been in the industry for 10 years, published in every magazine, um, have an entire team of people, your pricing is probably more expensive than someone who's just been doing it for a few years. That kind of lineage between a planner and a photographer is very similar. I think the biggest difference and an important factor to keep in mind with your planner, of course, is 
we are usually the first or second person hired um, between a venue and a planner um, or a date, a venue and a planner. We're also working with our clients anywhere from 12 to 18 months um, and usually talking to them, if not every day, every week. So the time amount that we're spending is tremendous. Um, So for us, I think because we are designers and planners, our price point is definitely higher. Um, Usually, I think when you're just a planner, you don't do the design, your pricing might be cheaper. Or maybe you're just a designer, you don't do the planning. That might be cheaper. Again, this kind of varies with what services you're offering. For us, we mostly do complete planning, which is also known as full planning, meaning we are doing everything soup to nuts. We're the designers, we're the planners. Again, usually the first one hired. We're also there on the day of. We're running logistics. Um, We have a team of people that come on site with us. We are everything. Other people who offer partial planning and or day of coordination those price points are also different and lower because it's usually related to time, both on-site and off-site. Occasionally, we will book a partial planning client, but I have to say out of maybe the 15 events we do a year, one or two are partial. It's very rare. It's usually because it's a referral from a photographer um, or a florist um, or a venue Um, We already know a lot of these pieces are in place of things that we would have already recommended and approved, and they just need more jumping off. It kind of needs to suit us sort of perfectly to make that happen. Um, And we do not offer day of coordination. It's just not in our wheelhouse, to be fair. I'm so, uh, you know, I'm just a control freak. I need to kind of have everything lined up and the way that we would have wanted it from the get-go. And it's a little difficult for us to go ahead and say, oh, let's just pop in here at the end and try to fix all these things. That doesn't really work for our piece. But I do think that there is a place and an importance to day of coordination that is an absolute need in our industry. And it really is a great support to photographers, videographers, the catering team. Um, So we would recommend even if you couldn't afford our services that, of course, you have someone there as a point person that's not related to you. It's not a mom. It's not an aunt. It's not a bridesmaid. It's not a groomsman. It's truly a hired person that can come in at least six weeks before and grasp everything, put together a timeline and manage things so you can be a guest at your own event. As far as pricing goes, I think everywhere across the country is a little bit different. So I'll speak a little bit to the DC metro area, usually day of coordination ranges anywhere between $2,000 to $2,500. Partial planning is kind of a bear in its own. And I would say that there's some people that do it for four to seven. Um, You know, there's some people that are more in the nine to 14 range for partial planning that might still include some design elements. And then when you get into the full planning range, again, this is tricky when it comes to expertise you know, have they been published? Are they truly a master of their event or this is just their first time out the gate? But I would say of our competitors and people that we would consider we're up against, complete planning is anywhere between fifteen dollars to $30,000 or 10% of your overall wedding budget. So the price is 
is and that's typical that they're basing it off of a percentage. So if I have a hundred thousand dollar wedding budget, is it's typical that you guys take a ten percent, or do you guys? Because it's. Mm, I mean, I think that's tricky. Percentages are hard. Mm-hmm. Some of our most amazing weddings would could not be based on percentage. Just because they had a lower budget doesn't mean that we're getting less money. My time and effort is the same. So many people work with a percentage with a minimum spend of X. So maybe it's 10% of your overall budget, but you have to at least pay us $20,000. So I think, you know, the percentage thing is really hard to explain in just one podcast. (laughs) Um, It's still a complicated piece to comprehend, but I would say when you have a client or someone that's considering complete planning, if your headcount and your budget kind of match, and I'll talk about that, then your planner should be about 10% of your overall budget is just a starting place. Um, and when I say headcount matching with your budget, for us, that means having a budget of about anywhere between $1,000 to $1,500 per person as a starting point for your budget. Um, And again, that's the D.C. area. It's way more expensive here in D.C. than it is in other places. Even going just two hours south to Richmond, Virginia, a little bit different. Even Baltimore, Maryland, a little bit different. Um, But if you're kind of looking at our portfolio, you know, we really kind of need that budget and the headcount to match across the board. Um, It's all relative. You know, more people, more money, more problems. It's um, as Biggie Small said, it's... It's important to know that if you have more people, you are going to spend more money. And it's not just food. It's everything. And same for the photographers. You know, when thinking about it, you need to photograph 300 people. You need maybe two more assistants to be covering cocktail hour or help managing family photos. And I think that's really important. Um, It's not just food. And a lot of our clients kind of come into this, like, I have a huge family and we're just going to feed everybody. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't care about the food. We need more transportation because there's more people, more invitations because there's more people, more centerpieces because there's more tables. And your poor photographer is only one person. He or she needs at least two more assistants to help manage and capture everything you're hoping for. And a lot of that knowledge and stuff is what we're helping to provide to our clients, both in even that initial phone call and saying, are we a good fit? Um, And also in prepping them for hiring vendors so they can do their jobs properly. I'm curious now about uh, with a whole project, with a full project is maybe this is the last question about kind of your pricing model with, I'm always curious about scope creep, about when the client starts to push a project beyond what you have budgeted for or what you have mm-hmm. estimated. You know, if you're, okay, hey, we're going to, our services for this wedding to plan it and design it, it's going to be $25,000. How in, And the wedding might be 12 months away, 18 months away, or it might have gotten delayed even further. How are you kind of managing that? Or how do you, you know, over your years of experience, how do you kind of see the red flags are kind of see, you know, up on the horizon, like, okay, we're getting a little bit, we might blow the scope here, or we're getting a little bit close to over budget. Um, or, or am I totally wrong in this, that you're not really 
it's not really your money to play with. It's it's your client's money that they're paying for the catering, they're paying for the event, and you're just taking a service fee. Mm, great question. And like the million dollar question of all time, right? Like, how can I be psychic? Of course, the experience level of our team and doing so many events at different scopes and different levels of budgets helps us prepare our clients out the gate. One of the first things we do is A, ask for your guest list, which sounds insane. Like, how do I know what I'm writing? Again, it all goes back to headcount. I need you to write all these people down, really actually write them down. Um, And secondly, getting that budget as close to possible from the beginning, whether we're working with a number, my parents gave me X, this is the top of the line. And then I will fit everything in within that. Or I don't know what my budget is. I just know I want to spend money on things I care about and save where we can, which is a very common phrase for our clientele, is setting them up for success and writing in each of the budget line items based on what they like, what they care about. If you're telling me you're a foodie, I'm going to put more money in that bucket. If you show me these all these amazing photos and photographers you've been following, and I know the price when that photographer starts at $16,000, i am going to put in twenty. If I can save money in different areas and then reallocate it later, we'll do that. And sometimes, you know, they say, well, we don't want a videographer. You know, we just, we're not, we don't care about it. We're not going to spend money on it. So I put zero <laughs> in that pocket. And then six months into the planning, they fall in love with this videographer and we want to do it. I have to wave wave the flag and say, that's totally cool. Is this coming out of other pockets or is this above and beyond your budget? And whatever that decision is, we make them sign off on that. This is their money and their decisions. I'm just there to kind of drive the bus and they're sitting shotgun with me. So if they insist on changing the radio station, I have to go with it. But that doesn't mean I can't throw up a protest or at least hold their toes to the fire and say, okay, you know, this means less flowers or this means you're not getting parent albums from the photographer to help accomplish, you know, this additional piece. So we're always very vocal. All of this is written down. Um, Do I always want to be in the green and make sure that we're under budget? Of course. I would usually say over time, we've gotten really good at being able to say from the very get-go, okay, you have this, this is what it's going to cost. Sometimes we're a little bit off or they're a little bit off, but I think just remaining really true and honest to what those needs are and what they want versus, you know, all of this stuff costs money um, and someone's going to have to pay for it and they just have to be okay with it in the end. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. it's like. I never really thought about that. You're kind of like, you're just reallocating money or you're, you're the kind of budget master. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely something because uh, most people don't know, you know, you, they don't know how much a photographer costs. They have no idea that adding an album is another thousand dollars or $1,200 or, you know, it, all these more time is more money. Um, and so it's really important. We're educating our clients and telling them, you just showed me all film photographers. We're at this budget range. Well, I don't want to spend that. Okay. Well, everyone you've shown me that you've been DMing me, look at this photographer, look at this. I'm like, okay, you can't afford that person. 
Um, so it is a little bit knowledge based on our side, but it's educating the client and explaining. And also then my job is to cultivate the right vendor to suit what they're wanting, but also kind of matching what they can afford. Cause at the end of the day, everyone has a budget, whether it's big or small. Perfect. This is like a natural flow into the next part of the conversation, which is, is like, I think the theme of this podcast. Uh, so as a wedding planner, wedding designer that you have, and you kind of you're the, the controller of the vendors list. It seems like you have a lot of power in choosing or um, s- making very strong suggestions to the bride, to the groom, on who to hire. Who do you recommend? Your recommendations. Um, are you? Or tell me a little bit about. Let's talk about. Let's start there. Like, how do you see that? How, how do you kind of? Is that a- an accurate statement? Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, for us, we are hired as a professional to give clients the recommendations that they should be considering while also paring it down for them from the get-go. So when we have a full planning or complete planning client and they say, okay, we really love so-and-so photographer, my sister used them, whatever, but I know that that's not the right person for their wedding. My job is to kind of say, okay, here are three or four photographers, maybe including the one that they really originally thought they wanted that are all awesome. Their personalities are fantastic. This one went to your same college. They're all in budget. They're all, you know, available. They're really familiar with your wedding. In fact, this one just had a wedding published on Martha Stewart um, at your venue. And so we're not just saying willy nilly, like, okay, like, who's it going to be? It's really a pared down process. And because we've been doing this for so long and we know so many people, you're paying for someone to give you that pared down, really finite list. We want the decision to be the clients, but we also want to give them some insurance into who they're choosing. So I've pared it down to really, I like all these people. These are the three or four people that I would be thrilled for you to have. And then from there, they're saying, okay, I liked option A and B. And I'm going to say, great, let's set up an interview with A and B for you to talk to them, connect on a personal level, fill out personalities. And then maybe they like option B in the end. Great. We've already given them all the insurance, all the choices. They connect with them. It suits the price. We always find that that works out really well. So what are you looking for in a wedding photographer when you're kind of, you know, you're collating, you're kind of curating your list of uh, photographers for, say, this one specific client? I'm not talking about your master vendor list. Um, are you, what are you looking for when you're on, the, when you're visiting their website, when you're kind of hearing their spiel, when you're looking at their work, what are the things that stand out to you and what are the kind of red flags that kind of say, we probably shouldn't hire this person? I love photographers. (laughs) Um, They're my favorite vendor most of the time. I mean, the caterer is usually like my ride or die workhorse type of person, but the photographer needs to be personable. I'm not looking for an artiste. I'm not looking for, you know, just a generic coverage type of person. I want to feel your personality. I want to be excited with them 
um, which sounds super cheesy. But again, it goes back to that kind of vendor's vendor. We're teammates that day. I'm creating vignettes and moments. They're capturing them. I'm ensuring they have the time that they need to get the first look and be alone, truly alone, just with a couple. And they're capturing that. Without my really amazing photographer team, I don't get to see any of my work. And my clients don't get to see any of their day. Um, So a photographer to me needs to be personable, um, snappy, um, with it, flexible. Stuff happens. I don't need, you know, pushback when things are going wrong. I need solutions. So if I'm running over and saying the bride's having a meltdown, we need to pivot. What do you need? I don't need a temper tantrum from them. I need solutions and options. I need positivity. Um, I also love a photographer or any vendor that truly has their craft down behind the scenes. You know, it's one thing to be this incredible photographer and capturing amazing photos, but if you're truly disorganized and I'm clamoring for you to ask my client about, you know, you need a photography list or we need to talk about timeline, you haven't even considered the sunset time that day. Those are red flags to me that say like, okay, maybe you're not experienced. A wedding photographer is very different than just a photographer. And I do find a lot of clients who think they want one thing or know a family photographer, but they're not a wedding photographer. That cadence and timeline on the wedding day is so important. (laughs) And it's not something to just you know, hire someone who just does family portraits. Yes, those are, that's another really beautiful type of art. But if you cannot be mobile and nimble um, and know what a timeline works for that wedding day, this isn't going to work either. So, you know, I think having some of those processes behind the scenes that then works for the client and in turn for me, the planner is awesome. I want you to have a one month out call with the client and me. I want there to be a form we fill out that's very purposeful about capturing photos. Um, I like when people have a process for us to follow that suits them. Um, But those pieces seem maybe a little rigid. It it only helps and begets a better end result. So there's almost, I mean, like you are, I'm not saying you are, but it's, what's funny to me, and this is, I, I, I love this conversation because you're almost like you're acting as the guardian to the client. You're acting kind of as the goalkeeper. Um, and in a way, you can almost act like the kind of kingmaker. So there is like there's a little bit of politics to getting in your good graces. Like as a wedding photographer, there if this is the first time I've ever shot a grit and grace wedding, it's almost like this is my break. Like this is my chance to kind of Aww. show you guys <laughs> That I'm professional, show you guys that I'm here, I'm on time, I'm, you know, I'm polite, I'm friendly, and then I produce great work. So it's, how do you kind of see that? Or how do you, or the, how do you navigate the politics of uh, choosing vendors, not choosing vendors, um, you know, good scenarios with photographers, bad, annoying scenarios with photographers? How do you kind of navigate that? Mm, well, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, I, I hope we're not making or breaking people's careers. That seems very um, <laughs> tremendous, but that's very kind. I do. Um, 
We like to work with new people. You know, we do work with some of the same photographers over and over again, but that's because we've never been burned. They're great friends. They produce incredible work. Why would I trample on that? Um, But of maybe the same six to eight photographers we use often, that's not to say we're not open to somebody else or we see someone's work or notice that they always shoot at a venue and they might be an expert there. So we're always open to somebody new as long as kind of they have that level of professionalism that we expect. I don't really have time to babysit or educate a vendor necessarily. Um, It's not that we don't want to, but we have the client's needs in mind first. Um, We often find new photographers that we fall in love with. And when that happens, we end up throwing them a lot of business. Maybe it's smaller things or bigger things, or, you know, we call them up and they're ready to jump for it. That's so fun. Um, I think it's nice to have a mix and breeding more experience to more people of the types of events that we do, where there's a lot of details. We have installations and extreme escort card displays and very detailed tablescapes. And then also cool clients that, you know, want to kind of express themselves in different ways or be very fashion forward. And I think all of that's exciting. I think the other piece is we also don't want to take a risk on a wedding day with someone that we don't know is going to produce the best work. Um, So it is kind of a hard line to say like, you, you, you're brand new and we'd love to work with you. But I do think there's something really great about reaching out you know, even as simple as follow us on Instagram, DM us, or, you know, start connecting here or there. But there's some amazing, we are so lucky. You know, there's so many amazing photographers and we want to work with different people. I mean, I got to work with Perry Vale out of North Carolina um, in October of 2019. Um, It was our first time working together. I've never worked with her. She's never worked with me. Um, and she's an incredible film photographer and has so much personality and we just connected, you know, we talk on the phone, we text often, which sounds again, so silly, but you know, we're all in this weird industry where we work on Saturdays Well, we used to work on Saturdays pre COVID, but, um, the time to hang out is Tuesday, you know, or Wednesday and most other quote unquote regular people have day jobs. So these are relationships and really friendships that we truly enjoy. Um, I've made some great connections with photographers across the country that I cannot wait to use or find the right client for. And I think it's just having the guts to reach out to a planner and say, I love your work. Um, You're so funny on Instagram, or I just noticed you got published and, you know, if it ever comes across, here's my, here's my rates. And, um, you know, I've only been in it for three or four years, but maybe you'll have a great client or an opportunity or whatever for me. I don't need free headshots from somebody or for you to send me a box of chocolate. Like don't bother. It's totally cool. I'd rather just know your pricing and maybe even have a quick phone call with somebody or get to know you over Instagram. It's a great place because it's a visual social media. So yay for photographers to having this platform to share all their great work. That is enough to spark my interest. 
I don't need to be wined and dined. Um, I want to know your personality. I want to see the photographer behind the camera. Um, I want to get to know you as a person. And then maybe it just works out that way. And then we find someone that's great and we keep throwing them business. I mean, I think it's kind of just finding your people. Um, A great example and kind of the last example I'll use is Abby Jew. Abby and I kind of came up in the DC wedding market at the same time. She was started her company about 10 years ago. I think it's 11 now. Um, And we just connected as friends first. Um, Went out to lunch. We went shopping. um, And we kind of latched onto each other on a friendship level. And then here we are, you know, a decade later, I would both say very successful and have produced probably the most events together that have been either published or recognizable in many instances. That's not to say all of her events are with me or all of my events are with her, but we know when we have that team together, it's going to be magic. And we end up traveling with them to Michigan, to Mexico, to South Carolina, um, because it's fun. (laughs) Um, And it also always works out. And that's that great piece and collaboration. So I would say photographers should find your planner and planners should find a photographer that is a great partnership. Mm -hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm always talking about pricing with wedding photographers and Mm -hmm. Some of the core things I talk about are ways that you can raise your prices are, you know, avoiding a, avoiding kind of a middleman and going straight to the source. If, if I'm in the corporate world trying to sell a, a marketing video and I'm talking to just, uh, the project leader and I'm not talking to the CEO, then mm-hmm. the, the price is fixed usually, or they, or the project leader doesn't really have the power of the purse. They can't, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, let's raise the budget. Uh, and I'm also, I've encouraged photographers to price based on the client, have a different price every time uh, to kind of go away with this templated uh, mm-hmm. copy paste wedding package that, mm-hmm. you know, so when you, and you're, tell me from your perspective, because you said it is about price, you say that, uh, or that's a, you know, it's a legitimate factor when you have a specific yeah. budget. You have to find someone in that price range. Mm-hmm. Uh, from yeah, from your perspective, you're reaching out to photographers. What would be? I don't want to say like what what is an annoying way, but is in the conversation you're asking for your their prices, and they just is it a conversation or what factors of it kind of annoy you with the sales process? If like if it's a new photographer and they're kind of dodgy with their prices or, Hey, can we have a conversation first? Or are you reaching out just saying, please send me your price sheet. This, my client, the bride is interested in your work. Just send me your price sheet. Yeah. How do you exactly na- um, navigate that kind of sales process for me? Yeah, absolutely. So as the planner, and I think if I'm contacting somebody I'm already thinking that their work might be a great fit. It's not just willy-nilly. I'm asking for all these pricing sheets from all these people. Um, So if I'm reaching out, it's because you're probably already in the top four of the people I'm thinking that this would be a great match. So usually I'll reach out and say, hey, 
Do you have this date available? And if so, what is your rate for this date? Knowing that even some of the photographers I use all the time, if it's a Sunday in December, I would expect that you might be a little bit more bendy on your pricing than a Saturday in June. Um, But with that being said, that's not a negotiation out the gate. I just don't always say, oh, I know you can't afford this photographer. I'm always going to ask, what is your rate and are you available? And they say, yep, I'm available. Here's my rate sheet. I might say, okay, good. This client has $10,000 for photography. Flat out, I don't have a penny more. She definitely wants an album. She doesn't want parent albums. Here's like the couple of things. Do you think that we can work within that for this particular date? Sometimes client, sometimes photographers, excuse me, will say, you know what? I'm already back to back that whole month. If I take on another one, I really need to stick here. Or some they say, you know what? I have nothing that month and it's February and no one books anything in February. I'll totally make it work. And I'll say, okay, great. So I'm opening the door for negotiation without it being awkward with the client involved because I want the photographer to say no or yes, that's okay. We all have an ebb and flow to our business. You know when you need to fill a gap and you might be more flexible on a specific rate than not. Um, I do think it's lovely to create custom pricing, but I do think you at least need some sort of range or starting point to give you know, if you don't have a planner involved, especially just give the client the damn pricing. Like they don't need to be batted around and hope and wish things are going to work out and wait for a phone call and hold the date. It just, if you start at $10,000 and this client has $4,000, it ain't happening. You know, it's just not going to work out. And even if you do try to bend that far, it's not going to be what the client wanted. And you're going to be pissed that you bent that far and they're unhappy. So I do think saying a personalized quote is great based on your date, your location, your needs works really well, but at least some sort of outline of pricing is a helpful starting point, Um, both for the planner and for the client's end-all be-all needs. Um, We really try desperately not to over-negotiate I know how hard a photographer is working. And again, this goes back to that education level and having a planner there, yes, to support and defend the client, but also to give support to our vendors and educate the client on what that vendor's needs are and what's realistic is really important. Um, And so with those kind of hands being held on both sides, I can say the client has X, but we might have a little bit of wiggle room. The vendor can offer why and with a little bit of wiggle room. Let's pare down what we need versus what we want. Can we add the album on later? You have a a credit to use that through the rest of the year after you get married. Don't spend that money now. We need more time. I can't bring back time on the wedding day. Um, And so finding all those happy mediums. And then, yeah, maybe it is creating something custom for that client. But I need the vendor to also want to book it. And I think, you know, being all over the place doesn't work either. So I guess in the short, your answer should be, yes, I like custom proposals as long as it works for both sides. And furthermore, you just need to at least have a starting pricing point or at least one or two packages or maybe three um, of price points to begin with. Maybe it says starting at 5,000, starting at 8,000, starting at 10,000. 
um, for those three tiers. And the differences are really clear. You know, it's based on hours or albums or team members or engagement shoots or whatever. Too much information and too many packages with silly names gets to be confusing for the client. I don't, I don't particularly like when it says the love package, the sweetheart package, the oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> forever package. Like I just want to know like levels, one, two, three, four, five. Five is the most expensive, you know, or A through C or whatever it's gonna be. Just get it simple and make it easy for the client. Um, yep, and absolutely. We have an add-on section that says you want rehearsal dinner coverage. That's another two thousand dollars or or whatever. Um, I just think it's also important for the vendor side and these photographers that are spending so much time editing, managing, and, and a lot of our photographer friends are are doing a lot of weddings. I mean, still a lot quantity wise. Um, Twenty to forty weddings a year seems tremendous to me. Um, getting through the fat and, and not, you know, wasting time with people that can't afford you is also important. It's, it's not unfortunate. It's just nice to kind of say, okay, I'm so sorry that didn't work out and move on. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you about the, the confusing package names or some packages that just look like an Applebee's menu. Just like yes. endless. Oh my God. It's like a poo-poo platter of things. And like, yeah, it's like, I don't know where to look first. Yeah. Just say how many hours it is. Do they get an engagement shoot? Do you have an assistant? Do they get an album? It's like, and obviously a link to their photos or a USB or whatever, like five things. The clients don't know all that garbly goop and it doesn't look better when you say, oh, we'll also help ensure X, Y, Z. I, I don't need any of that. I want concrete, simplified, straightforward pieces because at the end of the day we all know the clients sc- scrolling through that pdf and going to page six and want price they're not even they don't care about all this other stuff before it show beautiful photos give me numbers and respond as fast as possible i will tell you over and over again the people that booked the most are the people that respond the fastest mm, mm-hmm, every time we always try to respond within hours, if not 10 minutes of receiving a lead. Um, we're responding. We're giving pricing. We're saying we're available. Let's set up a phone call. Within the same week, I've already been contacted, done a meeting with them, and sent them the contract. I know planners that never even responded to them. So being super responsive does not make you look like an eager beaver. <laughs> if I'm asking you for pricing, it's because I'm working on that thing right now. Um, not for you to respond in three days. Like, oh, sorry, I never got to it. Mm, okay, well, then my lead, my you know, inquiry wasn't important. I think the same goes for the client. If they're sending an inquiry, that means they're in front of their computer. They're right there. They're, they have the time to look at your website and send an inquiry form in two days from now or a week from now, they're probably not thinking about it or they already made a decision. Um, So I think that 24 hour response time is super important, but if you can make it faster, do it. Perfect. I want to go back to one question or or one thing you said a little bit about um, the kind of red flags that would give you pause to hiring a, a photographer or 
you mentioned a little bit about okay lack of experience i've told photographers there's a there's this kind of uh, I don't know if it's a, a, a guilty conscience or there's kind of maybe I don't want to say it's as simple as the lack of self-confidence, but there is in a photographer. Sometimes there's this fallacy that I don't have enough experience. Therefore, I'm not good enough. Therefore, I can't charge this much. And I tell them just kind of go for it on from a wedding planner's perspective. What do you articulate for me? The red flags that you see with a wedding photographer in hiring, not hiring. Um, yeah, I want to kind of like pin you down on this. Is it, and I'm sure there's, there's a myriad of ranges and reasons. Um, is it, yeah, I'll stop rambling. Yeah. Articulate for me the kind of the red flags and like <laughs> in hiring a photographer. I think confidence, you just got to fake it till you make it just show up and turn it out and like be your best. There are some photographers that are young and green, but holy moly, they have an eye and their work is amazing. Just show up ready to rock things. I'm ready to support people in however they want to go. I just think that innate natural instinct to be an artist is fantastic, but I do need you to show up and be confident. I think the bridal party can sniff it out real quick if you are not on your stuff. Um, it's okay to yell at the groomsmen. Get in line. We have to go. Like, let's do this. Um, so, yes, fake it till you make it. Be super confident. Practice. Um, and how do you practice? I mean, it's just, I think in the beginning, you have to kind of take what you can get when it comes to weddings. Um, I also think dressing the part. This goes back to the fake it till you make it piece for sure. But dress up, look fabulous, like make people want to be around you and not just, you know, the photographer in all black. Um, I think wedding vendors kind of revert back to this all black. And I think that's cool. You know, like it's fine, but it's very obvious that you are just the photographer. I think you can kind of show your personality and wear wear a beautiful dress on a wedding day and comfy, you know, pointy toe flats and have your cameras hanging off you. I mean, don't dress in full blown, you know, black tie, but you can look like you blend in, that you belong there. Um, one of my favorite photographers is Adam Barnes. And he is not only just the loveliest person and a very talented photographer, but he always wears these lovely outfits, you know, fitted pants, bow tie, um, suspenders. He looks like a guest that knows what they're doing. There's something very appealing to that. And they feel more, I don't know if they look like they blend in like a guest, but I do like that mode. And I think it shows a little bit more style and that you're a part of the group, not just straight up, you know, I'm in all black and I'm wearing sneakers. That's less appealing and it does look a little juvenile. So fake it till you make it, pretend that you're confident, dress the part, look great. And then, you know, lastly, I think it's okay to ask questions um, as long as those questions are relevant, you know, and, and don't make me scared necessarily. But if you really don't know, I'd rather you just ask than not mess up. Or if you need to have a powwow meeting before or meet me at the wedding venue, 
um, to ensure that you're up on your game, do it. Take, you know, take the ball in the court and make sure you have everything that you need to have a successful day. There's nothing wrong with just learning um, and taking those pieces one by one and putting it together to create a structure for the day. And maybe also behind the scenes, like I was saying about having some processes for yourself as a professional that give you the backbone to then truly, you know, have a successful event and work with a planner or at a venue that you always fell in love with. I'm going to hit my end of questions. Anything that we didn't cover that you want to go back and talk about or anything you we missed? Um, you know, I do think that photographers are a necessity at weddings, which is great, right? You know, you're, no one is going to have a wedding without a photographer, but they very well might have a wedding without a videographer or a planner or elaborate flowers. So I think you're already in the door as being at least one of four vendors that have to absolutely be there. I think it's just finding your niche that makes it that those are the weddings that you also as a photographer want to photograph, not just because you're a necessity. So honing in on a handful of venues or a handful of planners or figuring out exactly where you want to be as that necessity is truly important and can make your job and also getting those leads in that business really pared down to it's like, oh, of course I'm going to hire so-and-so because they know this venue so well or whatever. And so making it easier on yourself and a way to stand out amongst that crowd of necessities, I think is just something that you have to really kind of put yourself out there to do. And I think the other last thing I would say is, you know, get that personality out there, share yourself on Instagram, Put your face on your website. I mean, there's so many photographers. I'm like, I don't even know what they look like. You know, don't be afraid to also turn the camera on yourself and be a little self-deprecating. Share a little bit about your personal life. Use Insta stories to kind of help underline and maybe tell stories behind the scenes about certain photos. That's what's endearing for clients, you know, when they fall in love with somebody Um, yes, you have beautiful photos, but oh my gosh, they love hearing your Monday morning review of what happened over the weekend. Um, and why, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. You fell in the mud, but you were laughing it off and you still have this amazing photo. And here's the sneak peek of the photo. All of that begets that relationship and that dig in both to clients and planners. And I think it's hard at first to open that door, but once you do, I think it's actually really liberating and let your business as a photographer be much more than just those photos. It's about you, the photographer, taking those photos. Uh, okay, Laura, where, where, can, uh, where can we find your work? Where can we, uh, your website, social media, you know, plug away for us. Yes. We're everywhere. <laughs> um, our website is gritandgraceinc.com. Our Instagram is of the same, at gritandgraceinc. Please reach out and say hello. Um, we respond to weird everybody. Um, we love to create relationships, and we would love to learn more from others and open the door to new photographers and more event industry friends because who else do we have to hang out with on Tuesdays? Um, 
it's me. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.